Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, June 22nd, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Actually, it's been a few days since uh, you has. and I have done a show together. We ended the week solo, but uh, it was a really interesting Friday night for the theater, it which was, we are going to get yes. into post-haste. But before we do, we did want to remind you that uh, on Sunday, this week on Broadway, Peter, James, and Michael talked about fathers in shows because oh, it was Father's Day. Both Peter nice. and James are fathers. Correct. Um, happy so Father's happy Father's Day, Day to them. Yeah. Yeah, happy Father's Day to everyone out there, whether you are a biological father, a stepfather, an adoptive father, um, a male role model, or a mother doing the duty of both. So um, happy Father's Day to everybody. We hope that you had a wonderful day. Um, Ashley and I, before we started recording, we're talking about mm-hmm. some interviews that we have in the works coming up this week. Of course, you will hear those interviews first in our Patreon feed. You can get into that at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon before you can hear them in the regular podcast feed. So get to that. But Ashley, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. Friday night was a historic day for theater and one that I don't know that we really understood how historic it would be Mm -hmm. before it actually happened. Oh, yeah. Now, last week when I was off, I believe you talked about the Antonio Awards, correct? I did, and I read out the nominations and everything. Yeah, so the Antonio Awards took place on uh, Friday night. This was um, a new awards that were founded by uh, Broadway Black and Mm -hmm. another of, uh, of other organizations. And it focused on the works of black theater artists. Now, some of the things got to be a little, uh, I wasn't exactly 100% sure how those nominations worked because shows were nominated that weren't necessarily completely written by black. I, I just, I wasn't sure on the definition, but um, it was honestly, despite the fact that it was virtual and remote, it was one of, if not the best award shows that I've seen in a very, great. very long yeah. time. It started with an incredible opening sequence, which featured um, the Black National Anthem uh, sung by Sasha Allen, who needs to be in more stuff uh, following her Stunning. hairspray days. Yeah. Then an original number with a number of performers, including Broadway Black founder and one of my first uh, Tell Me More guests, uh, Drew out. Shade. Um, it was fantastic. It was a, a really incredible opening. Yeah, it was one of the more, and uh, as a whole, this, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, the whole broadcast was, I've been watching the Tonys, obviously, for a very long time, but it surpassed even any Tonys broadcast I saw, and that opening number was certainly more mm-hmm. fun than maybe the last five years' worth. Yeah, other than other than it's not just for gays anymore. Sure, I which feel I like think this was, was a little the bit be- older than that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was like in the early 2010s. But this was the best opening. It was it was both um, funny and entertaining, but also poignant and um, get out really parody. smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Everything about it was great. So let's before we get into some of these other performances, let's talk about the award winners. Let's start with Best Play. That went to Aziza Barnes for Blacks. Best Musical went to Tina, the Tina Turner musical, which was a bit of an upset, uh, considering A Strange Loop was in there as well. And this is where I was a little 
not sure about how they were defining what got nominations and what didn't, because The Wrong Man, Girl from the North Country, and Jagged Little Pill were all included, but they were all written by white people. Right. I so think I'm it was maybe if, like, your featured and lead and or lead actors were black, sense. but I'm not. I'm also a little bit unclear of that. I'm sure it yeah. was somewhere that we've missed. Yeah, I'm sure. I wasn't on the day that you were the nomination, so I very well could have missed it. So, uh, Best Revival went to the public theaters for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Best Actor in a Play Off-Broadway, and these, again, kind of breaking ground, these were gender-neutral performance I'm categories. so happy. That I noted when we when I talked about yeah. the nominations. That makes me so happy. Especially as someone who's had to curate an award show in the past, that makes me so <laughs> happy. The only thing that I don't like about it is, is that that generally means that there is less people honored. You know what sure, I mean? Like normally sure. there's a, a male and a female, but if we could find a way to do it gender neutral and have two people uh, receive the awards, have the same amount of awards, I'm totally there for that. Double the nominees. Um, <laughs> yeah, double the nominees or double the winners. I mean, that's fine too. Um, I'm totally good with that. The way they did it was is they broke things down between Broadway and Off-Broadway. So Best Actor in a Play Off-Broadway went to Danielle Brooks for the Public Theater's Shakespeare in the Park production of Much Ado About Nothing. Best Actor in a Play went to Audrey McDonald for Frankie and Johnny in the Clear Deloon. Best Actor in a Musical Off-Broadway went to LaShawn's for The Secret Life of Bees, and Best Actor in a Musical On-Broadway went to Adrian Warren for Tina the Tina Turner Musical. Interesting, all of those lead actor categories all went to women, which mm, obviously yes, let, let, the, let, <laughs> let the women do the work. Um, I'm going to screw up the name for the Best Featured Actor in a Play Off-Broadway, but I believe it is Okui Okpakwasali uh, for, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Best featured actor in a play on Broadway was Chalia Latour for Slave Play. Best featured actor in a musical off Broadway went to Jasmine Cephas Jones for Cyrano, which was kind of an upset. I wonder if the uh, a strange loop folks canceled each other out. Uh, best featured actor in a musical on Broadway went to The Daughter of LaShawn's, who was the best actor in a musical off-Broadway, Celia Rose Gooding for Jagged Little Pill. Uh, Ashley, you and I have professed our undying love for Celia Rose Gooding Correct. in recent weeks. Um, so this was very, very, uh, very, very nice to see. Best solo performance went to Michael Benjamin Washington for Fires in the Mirror. Best director went to Liliana Blaine Cruz for Anatomy of a Suicide. Best choreography went to Camille A. Brown for, for Colored Girls uh, Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough. Best quarantine content, which was cool, went Very, to Daniel J. Yeah. Watts for The Jam IG Live. The Jam is a show that he's often done uh, in mm -hmm. person, did it recently at Joe's Pub, doing it there. Um, then scroll through some of these other ones. Best original score went to The Secret Life of Bees. Best book went to Michael R. Jackson for A Strange Loop. Those were the competitive awards. Um, I want to talk real quick about the non-competitive awards. They started a Lifetime Achievement Award, and that was given to Chuck Cooper, which I thought Dunning was awesome. Too. Yeah, uh, just fantastic. I mean, literally, if you just want to give Chuck Cooper a Lifetime Achievement Award for, anything, for yeah. the for, well for the children that he's produced, uh, I'd be down with that. Right. But you put his performances and his career in there as well. That's fantastic. But then they also had a, a group of awards called the Kinfolk Awards, um, which are given to different people for different reasons. The first one is the Langston Hughes Awards, which is given to a male identifying or non-binary masculine black playwright or book writer. 
And that award went to Danye R. Love. And the second one is the Lorraine Hansberry Award, which is given to a female-identifying or non-binary femme black playwright. And that one went to Loy A. Webb. Then they had the Welcome Award, which is uh, given to somebody making uh, a debut. And this one went to uh, Duran E. Jones, who took over for the role of Riff in West Side Story after the original actor uh, hurt himself. Um, and then the final one is the Doors of the Theater Are Open Award, um, which I think says it all right there in the name. It went to the National Black Theater. So um, actually, this was just a an incredibly well-produced um, show from top to bottom. There were great performances, great speeches, some really smart, interesting segments that I don't want to say were performances, but they were kind sure. of little short one-act plays. It was just great throughout. Absolutely. I Not to say I was surprised by any means, but we didn't, like you said, we didn't really know what to expect going in. But we've called yeah. for time and time again what we wanted if the Tony Awards actually happened, which, you know, TBD. Uh, and that was a celebration of theater. And this was in and out a celebration of theater. And not just theater, but specifically the artists who make it, and even more specifically the black artists who made it. So you, we're talking about the the segments, and there were the musical performances. There was uh, a tap competition, essentially, and a monologue compilation. And just all of it made me... Not even just long to have theater again, but long for a an award broadcast that is so well put together and so focused on the performers and the shows as this was. Yeah, especially after we saw the drama desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. which was not so not as yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we will have a link to all of the winners as well as highlights from the award ceremony in the show notes if you want to check that out. All right, Ashley, let's move on and talk about some theater leadership news. Um, on Friday, it was announced that Kate Schindel had won re-election to be president of the Actors' Equity Association. Stage great Stephen Bogardis had been running to replace her. Um, in addition, three-time Tony nominee D. Hody was elected Eastern Regional Vice President. Kelly Faulkner was elected Central Regional Vice President. Western Regional Vice President Doug uh, Carfrey was running unopposed and therefore deemed elected. Some familiar names winning seats as equity counselors include Victoria Clark, Michelle L. Pauk, Richard Topple, Nika Graf-Lanzaroni, Kate Burton, and more. In total, the election included 42 council seats across all three regions, Eastern, Central, and Western, representing principal actor, chorus actor, and stage manager categories, along with the new at-large category. Seats are filled effective immediately and are almost all of them set up to be four-year terms. So congratulations to all who, who were elected. In other news on Friday, the Schubert organization announced that Philip J. Smith would be retiring as the chairman and co-CEO of the org, uh, effective on June 30th. In turn, the Schubert's board of directors announced that current president and co-CEO Robert E. Wankel will become the org's chairman and chief executive officer, as well as the chairman of the Schubert, or, uh, Schubert Foundation. Smith had been with the Schubert's for 63 years after starting as the box office treasurer for the Imperial Theater, Back in 1957. So congratulations on a successful career to Mr. Smith. Uh, all right, actually, let's talk about some COVID-related stuff here. First up, we have a pair of stories, including... 
are involving the Right Honorable Lord Lloyd Webber. First up, in speaking with the BBC last week, he said that he is going to run a reopening test at the London Palladium in the first week of July, featuring his production of Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. He said that the plan will be based on the work done by the South Korean production of The Phantom of the Opera. This will include hygienic silver ion door handles, which ALW said, quote, apparently these are completely effective against pathogens like coronavirus. Everybody going into the theater is fobbed with the antiviral chemical, and the theater itself is fobbed after every performance. There's no social distancing because it's impossible in the theater. Lloyd Webber hopes to show the British government that what has been successful in South Korea can be replicated in London. Good speed, your lordship. And actually, this might sound like it's a bit over the top and probably more ill-timed than anything else, but (laughs) it is better than something that Lloyd Webber said that the government had been advising theater producers, which is to have musicals without singing. Mm. Let me say that again. Is to have musicals without singing. There apparently will be a report issued today, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, it's already been, you know, released in the UK. But Lloyd Webber said that he is hoping that this thing that he has been told by government officials will not be included. Now, actually, I understand that singing is probably a much worse spreader of the virus than just talking or, you know, whatever. But what, how? Exactly. All of that. How would they? All of that. I I don't even. Yeah. Like. Would they just not have musicals at all, or would they play pre-recorded I, vocals? And if they're lip-syncing, do they still risk having spittle go everywhere if they're just lip-syncing? I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't mean to doubt ALW. I'm sure somebody I said will. this to him. I know you will. <laughs> I'll do it. But this this <laughs> seems team. like a bit of a, a more a more of a stretch than, than even from a government official, and who we have very little faith in government officials. But like, this seems weird, right? It's very weird, especially if he's talking about, I mean, uh, this uh, recommendation or whatever is coming or what they had planned to do is coming. I assume him going to them and saying, I want to do a musical because, I mean, it's his shows. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously musicals. Uh, so I don't, I, I would assume he'd continue to be so involved in it if and only they could still do musicals so i guess it would have to be staged as a musical and do pre-recorded vocals but that still doesn't really make any sense what they're gonna do just like sit on the stage for a bit because even if you're lip even if you're lip syncing you're still (laughs) going through the mototions of it really i mean Christine Dias have been lip syncing in Phantom well, for a long time. That, that is very, very true. Yeah, it might be better <laughs> served if they just go sit on the stage. There's, there's some tea for you guys. Uh, hey. Chris, Christine, Christine's don't hit that high note uh, every night. In fact, they never do. Uh, they actually did they do once in a studio. Yeah, uh, but anyway, exactly. finally in this section, last week, The Guardian ran a story about what various governments around the world are doing to support the arts in this time. And let me tell you, Ashley, I'm happy for all the countries included in this list because mm. we we ain't one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we probably won't be uh, for a very, very long time. No, vote. Um, all right, so let's real quick talk about some other news. Last week, Mark Blankenship, who is an arts journalist and editor, announced the debut of The Flash Paper, colon, Theater's Thoughts on Right Now, which will be a new journal dedicated to the urgent ideas of contemporary theater artists. Each issue of The Flash Paper is print only, and features original content created in response to a timely prompt from a diverse group of artists working in a variety of forms. 
forms. Contributions can take shape in any printable form, including play scripts, comics, essays, photo diaries, and more. Um, between, you know, concept to delivery, they can get something done in as quick as six weeks, which doesn't sound all that quick, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the first issue is available now at theflashpaper.com, and it talks about COVID-y related stuff. It's entitled, What Will It Be Like When Social Distancing Ends? Included in the contrib- contributors for the, the magazine are Claire Barron, uh, Saren Einspainer, um, members of the Living Theater and other theater organizations, David Henry Huang, Sarah Treem, and more. And in fact, um, over at americantheater.org, they have a uh, special piece by Kelly Nicole Gerard um, called About Alice or When Social Distancing Ends. Um, you can read through that. It's very, it's very, very good. Mm. I, I, uh, if this is the type of stuff that they're going to be putting in this magazine, it might be worth getting it. Um, but what was kind of disappointing about this is that, um, uh, American Theater had an excerpt from this, uh, this new print only publication on the same day that they announced that they would be shutting down their print or uh, print, print publication for the rest of 2020. Um, obviously this is part of, of, you know, the reaction to COVID-19 and they are part of the theater communications group. And if you get American theater, which I do, you notice that a lot of the ads supporting it are schools and productions and all this kind of stuff. None of which exists at this moment in time. Exactly. So I'm hoping that we get uh, American theater back and better than ever in 2021, but in the meantime, they will still have their website and their podcast and everything else going through this year. It is just the print version that will be shut down. Uh, one more bit of news here. Uh, actually, a couple bits of news real quick. But uh, on Friday, it was announced that Michael Arden has conceived a a new immersive part walking, part drive through theatrical experience taking place this coming week in New York's Hudson River Valley. It's called American Dream Study, and it's a collaboration of actors, dancers, musicians, filmmakers, stage managers, designers, choreographers, and medical professionals. <laughs> this site-specific theatrical experiment will provide a first-of-its-kind socially distanced communal experience for the age of COVID-19. The company-devised piece will be staged throughout three towns in Columbia County in New York, with audience members receiving instructions on when and where to drive, park, and walk via several smart technologies. American Dream Study will benefit small local businesses in these communities and this is in an invite-only premiere. Uh, so we'll see what happens after that. Some mm. names that you might be familiar with that will be involved with this are Nikki M. James, Krista Rodriguez, Andy Mientis, uh, Nick Adams, um, Claiborne Elder, Leanne Esty, Sarah Esty, uh, Iman Foley, and uh, Samantha Sully, yeah. and, and more. Um, so this is a, a legit group of people. Uh, so this will be really interesting. I'm excited to see what comes of this, and I'm kind of surprised that we haven't had something like this before. Uh, but we have had some drive-in type theater stuff, so right. that is very interesting. It's like drive-in theater mixed with performance art mixed with a scavenger hunt. So I'm kind of into yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And finally, in the news section, uh, last week, Netflix announced a new documentary chronicling the journey of six high school theater students as they participate in the annual August Wilson monologue competition. The documentary called Giving Voice was the winner of the 2020 Sundance Film Festival Audience Choice Award. The film will begin streaming later this year and will feature a new song, Never Break, performed by John Legend and co-written by him as well. 
All right, Ashley, let's talk about some uh, recommendations. The first one I'm going to start with is coming to you from Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Um, they will be uh, sponsoring a presentation of David Drake's play, The Night Larry Kramer Kissed Me, uh, on June 28th, which will be Sunday at 7 p.m. It'll benefit Massachusetts Provincetown Theater, included in uh, the group of people that will be uh, performing are Andre DeShields, B.D. Wong, Robin DeJesus, Rory O'Malley, Anthony Rapp, Wesley Taylor, Claiborne Elder, and more. And then finally, to celebrate Father's Day, the Lopez family, Robert Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, did a nice little uh, Father's Day ceremony with Bobby at the piano. Of course, um, of course. And, of course, and they uh, sang... Um, a version of I get around by the beach boys with, uh, with Kristen and their three daughters. Cute, um, one cute. of them, one of them playing piano. So, uh, I highly encourage you watch that and, uh, have a little, have a little feels before you get your Monday. <laughs> Just started. a little feels, a, a wee bit of feels for your Monday. A wee bit of feels. Yeah. Too much cuteness. All right. Thank you for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday. I will be back to talk to you tomorrow. I don't know if I'll have I have James with me or not, or it might just be me, depending on what we've got going on. Uh, but have a great day, and we'll be back to talk to you on Tuesday. Okay.